Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sounds of the week right there brought to you by our friends at RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy, Brickstone, and Stucco Exteriors, along with Soffit, Fascia, and Rain Gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. Going to talk to Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report coming up here momentarily for your daily assist as uh, we can continue to kind of plot along, Gordon, to see what uh, is to become of the NBA season. Yeah, that's what we're all waiting to find out next is uh, what well, how will this all uh, come about and what form will it take? Uh, I, I think if we're I were a betting man, I'm not, uh, but I would I would bet that something's, something's going to happen here. Would you agree with that, Jake? It certainly looks that way. I mean, the, yeah. there's a lot of motivation to finish the season. Chris Paul had some comments today, and maybe we play these a little bit later on in the show, just talking about how eager he is and the players are to come back and play. And, of course, he's uh, the head of the Players Association. Uh, so his opinion, you would think, is informed with the majority of, of players' opinions. So, uh, you know, you you'd think if both players and owners are motivated to get some sort of conclusion to this season, then... You know, they're going to odds are pretty good or at least odds are there that they're going to figure it out. Uh, In fact, let's ask Howard about it. Let's get to the daily assist. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From the Bleacher Report, he is our good friend Howard Beck. Hello, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. I'm good. Hey. Howard, I'm always interested to know how it's going in your neck of the woods there in uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, what's the overall vibe, and is there a sense of optimism yet? I don't know how to gauge that. I mean, I'll tell you that, you know, uh, traffic seems to have picked up. There are a lot of people out. Um, also, we finally broke 80 degrees today, so <laughs> after weeks of in the 50s, um, so a lot of people on our afternoon walk today, a lot of people were out and about, and that's good to see. Um, about 98% of people I see are wearing masks here, so that's good to see. Everyone's uh, you know, being responsible and trying to do their part. Um, it, we'll, we'll see if how, how much harder that is to uh, stick with once it gets really warm because we get the humidity here in, in the spring and summer. And so when it's like you know, hot and gross and 90 degrees and sticky and everything, like, it, that's going to be a lot real, a lot, present a real challenge putting on that mask and keeping it on. But I, I think I think people are sticking with it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can see things starting, starting to slowly, slowly return to normal here. But um, we just, the, the governor here just announced, you know, another two-week extension of the stay-at-home order for, for New York City. So we are, we are still not quite to the point where we're going to see everything reopened. Um, and uh, some other parts of the state have restored uh, some of that, but we're we're still still in a holding pattern here in the city. 
it seems that, uh, you know, day by day, week by week, we're just creeping back to having a plan, to setting deadlines, to possibly having the NBA back, and, and by no means is, is anything definitive. But it felt like this week was really about the players and if they want to come back, and most of the news came from the Players Association, and Chris Paul had comments today about how eager they are to return. How do you think if the players truly are eager to get back, and the owners obviously are eager to get back, it, it'll make things easier in actually pulling that off? Well, I look at it this way. If the players were publicly expressing and privately expressing severe reservations, if they were expressing trepidation about getting back into this because they are worried either for their own health or what they may spread to families or they're worried about using up too many tests when they're not available to most of the public. If the players were, were taking it from that standpoint, if, if that were the message, then I think that would be something really significant, right? Like if, the, if you can't get the players enthused and, and invested to come back, then, then it's game over already. That they are expressing very enthusiastic uh, feelings about returning is a good sign, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen just because they're in favor of it, right? Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's important to, that everybody's on board. It's important that the players are majority on board. Although I did see somebody had a story recently where I think a player anonymously speculated that maybe 30% of players might not be fully on board or might have more concern. But whatever it is, if you've got the players, and especially the star players, on board with returning, okay, you've checked one box. The owners are all going to want to do it because they've got a lot of money at stake, as the players do too. All right, you've checked that box. Um, but it's not a willingness that is the, the, the issue. An unwillingness would, would kill it in its tracks. But a willingness is, is only simply one step toward return. Everything else is still about what it's always been about. It's the logistics, and it's about where we are in the timeline of containing the virus. And is it safe to resume? And under what conditions do you resume? And where do you resume? And, you know, those are the things that the NBA still has to work out. And, you know, the, the reporting, you know, within the last week, too, is that Adam Silver wants to make a decision within the next few weeks. Um, so maybe we'll get some clarity soon. But if, if, the, if the announcement from the league is sometime in the next, whatever, two, three weeks, yes, we're going to resume. At that time, I would expect we're going to have some clarity on how they expect to resume. It's not going to be just we want to. It's going to be here's how we're going to pull it off. So we should – I would hope that, that, you know, if not the next time we all talk, <laughs> but maybe a couple Fridays from now, um, that we should have something more substantive to talk about. And I don't know what form that's going to take. We can only guess. Uh, and, and that's really – I love asking you the tough questions, Howard, because I, I have respect for what you say. If you were going to guess about those logistics, in all the research you've done and in the, all the conversations you've had, does one plan seem to be emerging that makes more sense than others? I, I, Gordon, I, I can't say that there is. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that there is any – there, there, there is no one thing you can point to because every, everything still has qualifiers, um, and part of that depends on what the uh, what the situation is at the time that the NBA comes back. Because if the NBA comes back on July first, 
which I don't think is the case. But if they come back on July 1st, that may be a different set of parameters than if they come back on August 1st or September 1st. Every month we go, we are presumably, hopefully, further away from the peak of this thing, you know, assuming that it continues on a, on a downward path. Now, the doctors will tell you, the scientists will tell you that there's a very, you know, strong possibility of a second wave, whether that comes in the middle of the summer or in the fall. And we don't know how, uh, how things are going to play out as cities and states relax all these social distancing policies or, or relax the closures and people re- go back to work and stores reopen. And what if that causes a, a spike in cases? That's going to have an impact on the NBA, too. So when you ask, well, what is there a plan that, that seems to be emerging or that they think is, is the best way forward? Well, it still depends on, on how the, their surroundings are. And, you know, I mean, look, from my perspective, I still think that the smartest way to approach this is go with the smallest scale you can, meaning don't try to resume the regular season. Don't, uh, don't do anything you don't have to do. What you have to do, I think, is get the playoffs done. If, if, there's, if there is any half to it all, right? But um, the playoffs, if that's what you want to get done, great. But you can do that by only involving 16 teams, the eight teams at the top of the conferences as it stands right now. That then limits the number of players and coaches and staffers and everybody else that you're having to haul to some central neutral site where you're going to put everybody on, on either a lockdown or a soft lockdown. It, it means that many fewer tests that you would need. Um, and there's just that much less risk uh, by, by a pretty big uh, margin because you're just involving fewer people. So that, to me, makes the most sense. Now, that's easy for me to say because I'm not the one sacrificing millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars by having that many fewer TV games um, and everything that goes with that. So uh, I, you know, I, I think a contained resu- uh, resumption, a, a smaller scale resumption, makes the most sense to me. And shorten the playoffs, too, so that you have fewer games so that you don't need to be uh, on site as long. You can get it done quicker. Um, but again, I'm not factoring in the revenue part of this, which is, you know, let's face it, a really big part of their considerations. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard, let's say they decide to just do the playoffs but try to get in a full playoff. What kind of time frame do you think they'd need, given they wouldn't be traveling anywhere? Yeah, I mean, think about it. In a normal circumstance, the playoffs take two months, right? Every round is about two weeks to do a best-of-seven series, assuming that you might go seven games. But that builds in a lot of travel time. So to your point... If you don't have to travel at all, um, you could certainly condense it, but not by a ton. I mean, you, even if you played every other day, that, you know, that's, that's still potentially two weeks if it goes seven games, right? It's, it's, you, know, you could do a back-to-back in there. Maybe you could do a couple of back-to-backs. I'm not sure how, how advisable it is to do back-to-backs when guys have been off for, for months. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I mean, it, that's... That's a tough one. Um, I think, you know, look, I, I started covering this league when it was best of five first round. I love the best of five first round. I wish they had never abandoned the best of five first round, but they made more money by going to best of seven. Um, it would be very easy to go to best of five and maybe even the first two rounds and then make the conference finals and finals still the best of seven. 
But you can shave off games, and then you can shave off a lot of days. Um, you know, you could get a, a best of five series, even if it goes five games. You could probably get done in, in a nine day span. So you could accelerate all this if you want to. I mean, you could even go to best of three. Once upon a time, the NBA had best of three series. If you go back far enough on basketball reference, um, I don't remember how many decades back that was. Maybe the '60s. But it's it's you know they, they can do whatever they want as long as they're willing to. Uh, sacrifice some money along the way, and as long as they're comfortable, as long as they're comfortable enough with the idea that, look, this this postseason will not match up with prior postseasons in terms of the record books. It's not, you know, it may not take 16 games to win the championship if you shorten these series. Um, but that is a way to get it done faster. So, Howard, the answer to this question is dependent upon some of the things you just brought up. But some people have talked about uh, it's no big deal if this thing go- drags on and on for a while because the next season that, that might uh, be delayed in its uh, commencement as well. But I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about when it, is the drop-dead date. Uh, I know that Adam Silver, I believe he was quoted as saying he's about data, not a date. But is there a time at which they have to get started or, or just punt? Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but I mean, they they haven't said it and they won't admit it. But I I would state with unequivocal certainty, and I'd be willing to put money on it that there's a drop dead date. They won't say what it is, but there's a drop dead date somewhere because even if they're comfortable starting next season in mid December, um, that's probably as late as they can go. There is there is some date by which they really need to start next season, even if they're going into next summer. So if that date is in mid-December and you got to back up four to six weeks to have a, a gap between the end of the finals and the start of next season, and you need time in there for free agency and the draft, I don't know if you'll have a quote-unquote summer league, which now will be the fall league. <laughs> um but you need, a, you need a gap between the end of the finals and the start of the next season. And it's got to be, I mean, minimally a month. I, I would think more like six to eight weeks. So somewhere in December, there's a drop-dead date to start next season. And if you back up from there six to eight weeks or whatever the time frame is that they need in between, there's a drop-dead date to stop to finish the finals. Um, so, uh, look, the, there, there are absolutely time considerations here, and that's why – if you're hearing rumblings of Adam Silver's going to make a decision and an announcement soon, potentially, well, that's why, because they've got to get some things in motion if they're going to complete this season, whatever that means, and start next season in a, in a time frame that still allows them to finish sometime next summer and not encroach on the next season. Um, it's, you know, all, all these things, are, you know, are related. Howard Beck with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard, I've asked a, a couple of people this this week, but given the kind of tone and tenor and what we've seen thus far in the Jordan docuseries, uh, how bad is Brian Russell going to get it uh, this weekend <laughs> as we see more of the jazz? I was going to tweet this. I might still tweet it. Um, I'll be happy if people just say his name right as Brian and not Byron. Right. So. <laughs> Um, we got him on, he, he joined the Lakers, uh, what was it? Was it my last year there? Whenever it was. And, and, and Brian joined the Lakers. And uh, we were somewhere along the way where he was about to check into a game, and the PA guy announced him as, as Byron Russell. And he had to turn around and yell at the guy, It's Brian. <laughs> um, 
All these years later, people still screw it up because it's got that funky spelling. Um, I had the director of The Last Dance, Jason Hare, on my podcast uh, a couple days ago, and I, I asked him, I said, so we're, we're coming down to it. We're going to see game six of, of 98. I said, Are, did you get Brian Russell to talk about the push-off? Do you have Carl Malone talking about the steal? And all Jason Hare, the director, would, said, uh, would say was, we cover those two topics, yes. Mm. <laughs> but he would not say whether he got those guys. Um, I, I, I really hope both Brian and Carl are in there. I would love to hear what they have to say, uh, Brian in particular, because of the push-off. Um, if, if not, it will be incomplete. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, there's no doubt that those – you know, those plays, those moments are going to be covered in detail. I haven't seen these. You know, they sent out screeners to a lot of us in the media for episodes one through eight, but nine and ten were still being worked on as of a couple days ago. Like Jason told me, he said, we, we're still, as he talked to me on Wednesday afternoon, it was, he said, I've still not finished off. We, I mean, it was small things, but there were still you know, doing some touch-up work on those last episodes. You know, Howard, uh, having had the chance to talk with him, that w- that was probably a terrific thing for folks to listen to. But I, I was reading today where uh, he said that uh, none of the interviews took place in, in any of Jordan's homes because Jordan didn't want an interview presented inside of one of his homes. And so that director uh, found homes that he thought looked like homes that Jordan might live in. It, it, it just, <laughs> it's the control that Jordan has over this production, I guess. And I guess they had to sort of bob and weave with his wishes and, and whatnot. Uh, is that just a part of who Michael Jordan is? And, and what did you think of the revelations that probably were nothing new to you because you already knew about all the way Jordan comports himself, but his leadership style being so very demanding. That was always part of his legend. And so, you know, and, and, and I, I don't think we learned anything new about the fact that Michael could be a bit tyrannical because the great Sam Smith, my buddy formerly of the Chicago Tribune and, and now working for the, the Bulls website, but Sam who you know, wrote the, the definitive book, The Jordan Rules, during that first three-peat uh, at the early part of it. And a lot of that was about how Michael was you know, kind of a bully and could be really rough on his teammates, and a lot of them didn't really like him at the time. Um, so the, his, it's, a lot of these things have long been forgotten because the mystique of Michael, the, 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 the myth of Jordan, um, has just grown over time, and that's fine. You know, look, I mean, he's still one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, he's incredibly charismatic. He's spectacular to watch. And we look, you, you and I, we're not the ones who had to be, you know, had to deal with with his, you know, piercing glare or his insults or anything um, on a day to day basis. And that leadership style worked for him. The revelation is not so much that he could be so uh, demanding or intense or at times abusive. Um, the revelation is that all these years later, he, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. In fact, he thinks <laughs> that was the right way. We saw very clearly he, him saying, you know, if you want to win championships, this is the way you got to go. And that's fine. I mean, it worked for him. Um, other guys have won without doing that. Steph Curry, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, you can find any number of, of champions and, and franchise stars, LeBron, um, who did not 
do it that that way. But I respect that that's how Michael viewed the the task, and that's how he, that was his style of leadership. It worked for him. It worked for those teams. Um, I don't think any of them who were his teammates necessarily feel they're any worse for it, but you certainly heard them say some pretty blunt things. And again, credit to, to Jason Hare, the director, and to, to everybody who worked on this, and maybe even to Jordan, that for all the talk of, well, this is a Jordan production, and Jordan is the one who had to sign off because he's the one who controlled the old footage. Okay, yeah, but we still got people's pretty honest assessments of him, his his leadership style, the things he said, the things he did. Um, a lot of candor about Scottie Pippen, about Dennis Rodman about everything, and so I, like I don't feel like I watch this thing and think, oh, you know, you can see Michael Jordan's fingerprints on this. I know some people have cynically viewed it that way. I think we've gotten a pretty accurate and complete picture here, and you can always find areas that you could drill down further on, and that you could say, well, if he wasn't involved at all, would you have gone more in this direction, or would you have interviewed these other people, or would this story have looked a little bit different? I mean, that's a fair question. But I think given the parameters and given, you know, the fact that, that they they were partners with Jordan and the NBA on this because those are the two entities that controlled the old footage, uh, they, they told a, a really great story. Howard, as always, thank you very much for jumping on with us and uh, glad things are warming up back there finally. <laughs> Appreciate it, fellas. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Howard. Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report, your uh, daily assist. He joins us each and every Friday. And it really is. I, I like capping off the week with Howard because it feels like we've got the all the stories and the the info, and it kind of culminates with our discussion with Howard. And he, he always processes things so well. Any disagreements with his observations about what might happen? Um, no, not disagreement. Um, you know, Howard is he's he's very much a realist, and he's he's had the same kind of tone and tenor throughout all of this. I I think you could. You could say things similarly, but put them in a more optimistic uh, phrasing and still agree with Howard. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess. And we're all we're all guessing to some extent about how this thing is going. Like, to- I, I don't disagree with Howard, but I, I feel like I'm more optimistic than Howard. I don't know how to negotiate that because I, I couldn't pick out a sentence and go, well, you're wrong there, pal, because I, <laughs> I can't. But but somehow I've, I'm feeling more optimistic about it than he sounds. But maybe I don't know. What about the idea of having like three game playoff series? I don't think they want that. Mm. I mean, I think they'd do it if they had to. It depends on the window. And, and I, I thought Howard was was really good about that. I mean, there is some sort of date out there. There's some sort of drop dead date. You know, they got to do this by then, by then, or else you can't do this, right? I mean, there's there's that line out there somewhere. So, what is that window? And how long will you have to do what you need to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. You know where I totally agree with Howard. I I liked it much better when we had five game series in the first round. So I mean, if if we were to go that direction, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't be all that disappointed. But at this point, I'm rooting for the NBA to salvage every possible dollar they can because that comes around to help everybody associated with this great league. I'll take darn near anything at this point. 
Well, yeah. I mean, we can get into this a little bit later on, but Sam, that uh, Sam Amick, the piece he was working on yesterday that he was uh, came out today that he was telling us about, and there's something like $900 million at stake if the NBA can get playoffs in. And that's not the, you know, if they can get every team to 70 games where they get that local TV money either. I mean, that would be in addition too. So just the playoffs, something like 900 million bucks. I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, I was thinking about that 70-game mark uh, as uh, Howard was talking about minimizing it as much as possible. And I thought somebody's keeping their eye on that number. Yep. And if they can't do it, I mean, Howard kind of thought that that would be a long shot. If they can't do it, they'll they'll move on to the next thing that they could save. But I bet they'd really love to get every team to that 70-game mark if they could. Yeah. And meanwhile, all the NBA players are out there eating chip cookies. Like George, like George and Yang, as, as we found out. Those are good. Those they are, are good. good. Yeah, they, they are, are tasty. Good. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. 450, we have the Not Sports Port, so stay tuned for that. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got Not Sports Board coming up at 4.50, but right now we've only uh, had a chance to knock a couple items off Gordon's list. Uh, shall we proceed, Gordo? Yeah, i got a, I got a number of things left here that we can get to. Some of them sports-related, some of them just crazy. I think, I don't know if we mentioned this on the air the other day, but uh, you see this at the five-year-old kid from Utah who stole his parents' car to go get a Lamborghini? He's uh, he's he he got to meet Jamie Fox and talk to Shaq and little what little pump is it anyway uh, via uh, Zoom or something. So, what message are we sending this kid who stole the car? Seriously, I think we're rewarding him for bad behavior. This is <laughs> this this is bad community parenting right here. <laughs> Can't reward just, somebody for stealing a car. I don't care how old they are. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I don't know what the appropriate action is. And I don't know what message he's, he's five years old, Jake. <laughs> just, see, I mean, he's a big, he's a big kid for five. <laughs> but yeah, still, still only five. five. Yeah, we can't be rewarding this behavior. Shame on you, it's Jamie a- Fox and Shaq and Lil, whatever your name is. It, 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 it's as though his, his quote-unquote crime, I guess it was a crime, was so pie in the sky, so big scale that uh, that people are thinking, ah, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> well, it is abnormal. Yeah. It is abnormal. All right. The Warriors turned down a Last Dance type documentary because Steve Kerr didn't want to send the message that his team is done. But now Steph Curry said he might make one himself with his, with his uh, smartphone. <laughs> Okay. I mean, everybody, everybody's getting in on it? I guess. I don't know. Michael, you know, he's somehow making millions off this thing, right? Is this the golden age of the documentary? I know that the definition of a documentary is kind of stretched in some of these cases. Kind of. I mean, I, I hear people say that all the time. You know, they say, hey, have you seen this documentary or that documentary? And I love documentaries, but it, it seems like they're more popular among the masses these days. I think, uh, I don't know about more popular. I think easier to distribute might be the answer there. 
I mean, there's so many different ways that you consume media. I mean, go to Netflix alone and how many documentaries do you have access to, let alone the channels and on demand. And I mean, we, we talk to Ryan from the Dish Professionals every day. I mean, how many different outlets are there or different uh, entities in need of programming? There's just a lot more ways to consume documentaries, meaning there's probably more money in it, Gordon, meaning there's more incentive to do it. So let me ask you a question that's impossible for you to answer, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. Okay. When we were talking to Howard Beck there, he said he just threw out a percentage. It wasn't based on, or maybe he was quoting somebody who said that 30% of the players, I think he was quoting another player, right? He said 30% of the players don't, don't, might not want to go play anymore. Do you think that number is about right? Oh, I have no clue. Yeah, I, would I know, know, but I, he, but, but he would know so much more than me. I, don't I, you wonder, though? I mean, you know, how many of these guys really want to to go back out and bust their humps up and down the floor? I understand that money comes into play, and that's always on some people's minds. But I, I wonder where that split really is. I, I would guess that they all want to get back to busting their hump and playing. It's do they it's, after after you after you sort of ramp down to this vegetative state for a while you're gonna ramp back up again it's i think they would like to it's just under what circumstance yeah you know because they to your point you don't want to ramp up and play games tomorrow i mean i bet you they would have differing opinions depending on what the plan is did you see that steve carell is doing a, a new show called space force uh, no, but I did yeah, see I the wait. I did see the unveiling of our Space Force logo today. What uh, what, what do you? It, they say it's like a cross between the Office and Apollo thirteen. <laughs> That's what I read somewhere. Yeah, and they've got a former White House correspondent working on the with the writers that really? is familiar with the thinking currently going on around the real Space Force. Oh wow. Hmm. You know, I, I love Steve Carell, but uh, just because he's in it does not make it good. <laughs> example? Oh, uh, Dinner for Schmucks. Ah, good example. Worst movie ever made, and he's in it, was and it really? so are a bunch of other funny people. Yeah, and it wasn't funny. It was it was very sad and highlighted the worst of humanity, in my opinion. That's why it's supposed to be funny. But and no. it's not. What about Foxcatcher? Uh, not funny. <laughs> not funny. No, not fun. Whoever wrote that genius, yeah. how they the yeah. whole story arc, how they laid it out. That I think way. whoever wrote it was a little overrated myself. Ah, did you did you see the movie Austin? Which one? The movie Foxcatcher. No, I I didn't. Okay, well then you wouldn't have an opinion on. It. All right, uh, speaking of uh, space. Which space TV show do you think was the best you ever saw? What series? Uh, Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> okay. That wasn't a space series. Uh, they were aliens. They were from space. <laughs> it was set here, though. But it w- was John Lithgow at his finest. It was a great show. A great show. And about space. And has anyone seen French Stewart since that show went off I air? I don't, don't think so. What version of Star Trek did you like the best? Probably neither one, huh? Aren't uh, there like six? Yeah, I, I, you know what, to be honest, I, I'm not a big Trekkie. I've seen the movies. I did not get into the TV show. I thought the latest reboot of, of Star Trek was pretty good. The movies? Yeah, the movies. With the, Chris Pine? Yeah, yeah. I thought they weren't bad. 
I'll have to go back to the uh, the William Shatner days. I've seen the movie, the William Shatner movies, but I never, I never, I I wasn't quite old enough to enjoy the TV. Show. Have you caught the new Picard with uh, Patrick Stewart? No, me either. See, the, the, here's the key to that whole show: is the uh, charismatic nature of the captain. That, without that, without William Shatner, that initial TV show never would have gotten <clears throat> off the ground. But uh, he, his, his, his personality and the way he is overacting. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the original. And even though it only lasted like three years in the 1960s, I, th- I think that was the best of the bunch. What's wrong? I know Picard is is a, a, a terrific uh, actor in, in that role and whatnot, but uh, give me the old one. Give me the original. That's the one I prefer. You're not a Deep Space Nine guy, huh? No, not really. Didn't didn't really get into those other ones. No. Maybe it's because I was young back then watching Star Trek and I had more time on my hands and I could sit back and relax and, and watch that show with my dad. And my dad liked it and I did too. And in some respects, it was groundbreaking from a standpoint of some of the progressive thinking that was put forth in that show. But only lasted three years, if I'm remembering correctly. Hmm. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Tom from the warehouse. Two locations for you, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake, 86 East University Parkway right there in Orem. And it's a boom, boom kind of Friday, right, Tom? It's a boom, boom. And Gordon's got me being a little sentimental. Tomorrow is my dad's birthday. So passed away two years ago, 97 years old. He would have been... He would have been a hundred years old tomorrow. Wow, dads are the best. They are. They are the best. Well, let me tell you, preparing for Father's Day, transition from uh, sentimental dad stories to hey, it's time to buy an adjustable bed. Last week was Mother's Day. Now it's Father's Day specials. How's how's that? All right. I have um, an incredible deal, and you remember last week we broke the price by five hundred bucks. This is a 13-inch hybrid mattress. Uh, the mattress is normally about $2,200 per side, and the bases are $3,700. Sorry, Jake, I'm reading from notes here. This is a, about a $7,000 bed package that we broke last week at $2,499. So we're going to do that again today and tomorrow. Uh, if you have ever wanted if you've been looking for the very best split king adjustable bed with all of the bells and all of the whistles, it's got it's got a flashlight on the remote. It's got LED lights underneath. It's got USBs. It even has um, 24 settings of massage, and it's different controls. So you can do the head zone, and you can do the lower body leg zone separately. That's how nice of a base this is. And then the mattress is just superb. The name of the mattress is the Tranquility. If you want to come in and look at this deal, we're going to do the entire thing. Two mattresses, two bases, so it's a split king for $2,499. It's the best deal we've ever done on that quality of a bed. If you're looking for a new mattress and you're thinking, gosh, I had to try an adjustable, but I only have $1,000, 
uh, your typical low price king mattress for a decent king is about a thousand bucks. I'm going to sell you a gel infused memory foam king mattress with a name brand adjustable base for nine hundred ninety nine dollars. So we want to see you. We we want your business. Uh, it's the best time in our history, and we've been in business a long time, to buy an adjustable bed. Come and see us, Salt Lake, 1967 South, 300 West in Orem, 86 East University Parkway, the warehouse. It's a boom, boom weekend. Very nice. Love it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. That's our good friend Tom from the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway there in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West, right here in Salt Lake City. Uh, We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. It is time for the Not Sports Report. Gordon Monson's Time to Shine. It's brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going to Florida. Okay. Before we get there, have you ever... uh have you ever had an animal infestation uh, near or, or where you live? Um, no. Well, my parents had, uh, what are those, uh, uh, I, I think they were voles. I had a vole issue in the front yard there for a minute. Well, I remember when I moved in, we moved into a house in California. I woke up uh, the morning after we moved in and there was uh, like uh, 15 coyotes in my yard. And a bunch of raccoons. You lived in California? Yeah. Um, but uh, it, this story reminded me of my wife's home because at her house, they used to have peacocks. Okay. I'm not kidding you. I was, I was sitting in the kitchen one day, and I look out, and there's like five peacocks walking across the lawn. And I thought it was kind of cool. But this neighborhood in Florida, five peacocks is not the number. Try 50 more than 50 That's a peacocks lot. have moved into this neighborhood. And there's a central place, one house in the neighborhood, where is their epicenter. And these birds, first of all, you know what a peacock looks like, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, they're big birds, right? Well, these birds are like climbing on the houses, climbing on the fences, climbing on the cars, climbing into the homes. One, one person found like two or three peacocks living inside their basement. Uh, and uh, so the, the, the folks there have a real problem with it. And the, here's the worst news of all. It's mating season. Mm, so it's just going to get worse then. And so mating season, they get very loud and they get very peacocky, you know, and they, they, they make lots of noise and, and make lots of messes and whatnot. And so one person in the neighborhood who moved in like a year ago, they're trying to sell their house because they've they, they're they're peacocked out. They, they, they want they want to get out of there because uh, the peacocks have driven them crazy. Can you uh, can you eat a peacock? I don't think so. Why not? What's it tastes like I don't know chicken. We eat other fowl. Why not yeah, a peacock? Can you kill a peacock? Well, yeah, obviously you can. 
Well, I mean, if it's in your yard and it's not yours and it's nobody's pet. See, this is the problem with peacocks. They're not, they're not pets, but they're not considered wildlife either. So there's something in between. And so people in this neighborhood are going crazy. Think about if you had 50 peacocks in your front yard. I'd take a picture probably. <laughs> of all the things, and I was reading somewhere else that in another place in Florida, these four-foot-long lizards are taking over, hmm. eating everything in sight. I, I don't know. I, I think the animal kingdom's going crazy. I think the world's going a little crazy. You got peacocks, you got four-foot lizards, you got locusts, you got, you got all kinds of problems around. Uh, the, the hornets that were all the rage for a while there? Yeah. Yeah, them. What's, so, uh, what's uh, taking over your neighborhood, Gordon? Uh, I saw a squirrel dancing across a uh, fence the other day. Okay. The squirrels but, are taking over? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So anyway, I thought that was unusual, having peacocks take over the neighborhood. I, I don't know what you do in that situation because you really don't have any control over everything. And, and you can't call the wildlife division because they're, they're, you know, they're not, it's not wildlife. It's not like you got a cougar ro- roaming around in your backyard. You can call them, though. I mean, right? Who would you call if it was like a, like a wild dog? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. A dog catcher? Animal control. <laughs> the same oh, people you'd call if there was a cougar. It's like, control. An, it's like an old cartoon, you know? I mean, who, I never see dog catchers around anymore. Do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I see the, the... I don't think they like the term dog catcher. No, I don't think they do either. I think <laughs> Animal they, specialist. Animal or... control, again, I think is, is what they prefer. And if but, you saw a cougar, would you call animal control you know, or would yeah. you call the DWR? Oh, I'd call animal control. Would now, you? they may point you some other direction, but yeah, I think that's where I'd start. You know what I think the answer is for this neighborhood? Get the get the females out of there, and not that I have anything against females, but if you if you ship out some of the females, won't the males leave too? That was one of your more sexist takes, there, Gordon. <laughs> well, I mean, it's wow. mating season. Well, it's that, that, that's part of the problem. They get real squawky, real real loud, and they're keeping people up, and they they're like partying all night long. Partying like like. Uh, Having cocktails and bad music? <laughs> Having peacocktails. Oh, well, I see what you did there. All right. Oh. Let's get to another partner profile. Austin, hit it. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, from J Dogs. He's our good friend, good friend of the station, good friend of the Jazz, of course. Uh, Jason joins us now on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jason, how are you? Living the dream, buddy. Living the dream. Hey, I how hear. Are you? Hey, we're great. And even better uh, that I heard a rumor that you guys are close and that the delicious J Dogs uh, are actually just mere feet away from the studio here at the arena. Yeah, we're we're just camped out on the east side. Um, we bought the big trailer out. We're just we're selling the grill at home kits that we've uh, that we've come up with through this crazy time, which is just the six dogs and they're all pre-cut. They have all the condiments, the special sauce, and the buns, and you just take it home and grill them at your leisure. 
Wow, that sounds awesome. So they're they're J Dog at home kits. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a great yeah, idea. We came up with it. You know, we've had had a bunch of stores that have been hit pretty hard with this, and you know, of course, the arena shutting down and the school shutting down. So it, it was just another way to kind of just create more revenue and more jobs and keep people working and keep people fed. So some good some good came out of this crazy time because we're going to run with it regardless uh, forever. So, yeah. So, so I'm imagining that you can get the good stuff, but you can't tell them what, how you make it because then that would be confidential information that you can't just toss around, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Martin would call you. And uh, one call, that's all. And that guy would track you down, and we'd have we'd have a little lawsuit on our hands. But uh, well, no, we I'm do all the, we do all the legwork for you. We, we cut yeah. them, and you just got to throw them on the grill and not burn them. Boy, that Gordon. sounds good right about Gordon. now. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm working up a Gordon, powerful appetite here. Gordon, you sound like a man that is confident around the grill. I mean, we've never met, but you handle yourself well. I bet. Well. All I can tell you is every J-Dog I've ever had, I've loved. And uh, it's, uh, unless I ruined it, it would, it would taste uh, spectacular. Well, I have, I have faith and confidence in your abilities. So. Well, I, I've got to yeah. tell you, Jason, my, my J-Dog intake went up by nearly 300%, I think, ever since you guys opened right across from the studio in the arena. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that, but kind of sad at the same time because I want you around for a long time. So just everything in moderation, okay? Hey, we, I, I, I appreciate the support. Uh, tell me this: in these uh, these at home J Dog family <clears throat> packs, is the sauce yeah. included? Because if it is, I'm I'm leaving the show now, and I'll be right there. It is. It is included. So again, it's just like you would get it at the store. Love it. But you just got to do a little legwork on your end on the grill or. You know, on the on the stove. How long hey, are you going? Uh, oh, wait, go will you do me a favor? And when you go over to grab some of those, will you grab me some too and drop them off at the house? That depends on how much that's worth to you, there, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds awfully good to me. I mean, you got me. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll pay whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, how Funny long? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. I was just going to ask how long you were going to be out there tonight. We're going to be out there for. We're going to be out here for another hour, but we're. We're, today was supposed to be the opening of the team store. They pushed it off. They pushed it off a week, and so next Saturday they're going to open up the team store, and then it's going to be kind of a party out here on the plaza. And we'll be back here uh, next Saturday as well. What about your other stores now, uh, Jason? As things start to loosen up a little bit, does it kind of depend on where they're at? Yeah. So. Our Orem and our Lehigh store have actually uh, kept up with sales, you know, where we were last year and the year prior. But we, we lost a lot of employees. Either they went home or they just don't, you know, they've got other, other jobs or just don't want to work right now. Um, so we're building up our, our labor pool so that we can open up the dining room again. Um, you know, because if anybody gets happens to get corona you knock on wood then that whole shift would have to be quarantined and we just don't have the bodies right now to replace it so we've kept the dining room closed but in the next week and a half to two weeks i feel like we'll get the dining rooms back open where people can come in and sit down and and kind of like get a little taste of normalcy again so 
Well, Jason, it's been we, rough. I'm not going to lie. It's been rough. Yeah. But I, we're finding a way. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and I know it's been a, a rough on, on your industry in particular. And that's why it's so great to have you on the show. And it's so great that you're here at the arena and that you guys are doing, uh, doing what you can. And we just appreciate your partnership with the station and the jazz and appreciate what you do. And uh, Gordon, I think I can speak for you when I say we appreciate the product, maybe the very most. Yeah, we have uh, taken advantage of that quite frequently. Well, I appreciate you guys, too. So thanks for the love. Thanks, really, Jason. I appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. We'll see okay. you down there, and we'll see you next week as well. All right. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> see ya. That's our good friend, Jason, from J-Dogs. They're, they're selling those J-Dog at home family kits, Gordon. That's, first of all, that's an amazingly brilliant idea. Jake. Uh, yeah. Get a- as, as soon as the show ends, get down there and get some for us. For me, yeah, I will. I will. Well, maybe, but how about a little something over here? Well, I wouldn't want to, you know, uh, uh, overexert myself. <laughs> okay. All right, the price is going up. I can see that right now. <laughs> maybe I'll have to twist your arm during the break, Gordo. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.